This is the Consciousness Podcast, and I'm your host, Stuart Preston. This episode is a little different from what you've come to expect from us. I recently covered the Arizona Psychedelics Conference here in my home state of Arizona, hoping to learn from the insight gained by those who work in the healing world of psychedelic therapies. I had a chance to sit down with three incredible people who work in the field and get their ideas on human consciousness based on their personal experiences and those with their patients and clinics. The first segment is with Kyle Buller, the co-founder of Psychedelics Today. Kyle has a BA in Transpersonal Psychology from Burlington College where he studied the healing potential of non-ordinary states of consciousness by exploring shamanism, plant medicine, holotropic breathwork, and psychedelic psychotherapy. We discussed his own near-death experience and what he learned about his own consciousness. The second segment is with Veronica Gold, co-founder, therapist, and consultant at Polaris Insight Center in San Francisco, where they provide ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. We also had a great conversation on her clinic's therapies, which are important to me as a survivor of my son's suicide, and she shared her insight into human consciousness. The third segment isn't here. I fat-fingered deleted it after the interview. It is so awful because my conversation with Dr. Sam Koh was amazing. Dr. Koh is a board-certified emergency physician and founder of Reset Ketamine in Palm Springs, California. We really got into consciousness, layers of consciousness, from the brain to human consciousness to universal consciousness. He really got me thinking and shed new light on my own perception of consciousness. I sure hope I can get back and redo that interview one day. So please enjoy my conversations with Kyle Buller, followed by my interview with Veronica Gold. Thank you're here and supporting this whole amazing conference. Yeah, it's important work. Um, yeah. I feel like it really kind of, I don't know, what are we doing here, right? I guess that's the big question. And Who are we? Why are who we Who are we? Yeah, what are we doing here? And I think, you know, having tools, whether that is through substances or, you know, Joe and I are trained in breath work and breath work has been a really powerful tool for myself. Um, and, you know, we have these tools available to help us develop a relationship with who we are in the universe in mm-hmm. some sense. And yeah, why aren't we utilizing these? And you had a breath workshop, workshop, breath work workshop Shop. here yeah. last night. Yeah, we had two sessions. And so what what does that look like? So uh, Joe and I uh, facilitate what's called transpersonal breathwork. It's in a lineage of holotropic breathwork, which is developed by Stan Christina Groff. So um, the technique is uh, the participants will lie down on the floor and then wear eye shades and we coach them through their breathing um, to intensify their breathing. So Deep breaths in, full exhales out, and just keep it going. So there's minimal pause in between the breath, and this the instructions are pretty simple, just intensified, deeper breathing. So make your, your breath fuller and deeper. And we play really loud music. They wear eye shades, and the breath is a vehicle to reach a non-ordinary state. And so people can have all sorts of interesting experiences from reliving past life experiences, transpersonal experiences, reliving things from like birth. So some birth trauma can come up. A lot of people in our session actually last night, well, maybe not a lot, a few people were talking about reliving giving birth. Um, so, really? Yeah, I mean, there's a wide range of experiences that can unfold so um, yeah it's pretty interesting and it's a non-ordinary state of consciousness mm-hmm. yeah and it's very somatic like psychedelics can be very mind oriented and mm-hmm. has some somatic but um, with this it's like you feel it really in your body um, it's, it's very interesting because they're they're purely conscious yeah yep 
Yeah, they know what they... You take them in. So when you say it's a non-ordinary state of consciousness, what what do you mean by that? So I guess the best way to describe it is Stan calls it double bookkeeping. You know you're on the mat. You know you're in uh, Tempe, Arizona. Mm -hmm. uh, But... You're also in this experience within your psyche where you might be, say, reliving an experience of getting chased by a jaguar in a jungle. And so your psyche is kind of replaying or re-experiencing this memory or this image, and it feels real sometimes, somatically. You're there, but you also know you're on the mat, and you know you're breathing, and you know you're going through this. Um, so yeah, Stan describes it as double bookkeeping where you're di- you're digging into these deeper unconscious layers or these transpersonal layers and kind of exploring it but you know you're also here in, in right. the room you're grounded yeah. you get that one book yeah so when you say transpersonal layers what do you mean what do you mean by so that? transpersonal means beyond the personal and that can range from so many different things so um, transpersonal goes beyond quote unquote like normal waking consciousness mm-hmm. um, so transpersonal studies include like dream work, analyzing dreams, um, near-death experiences, experiences with meditation, past life experiences, psychedelic experiences. So um, what are some similar, like what are experiences in that transpersonal realm? Yeah, past life experiences, reliving birth, maybe reliving um, you know, the universe being born, like you are experiencing the big bang, uh, you're experiencing maybe reliving, uh, a situation where you were an animal, you know? Right. So people can just, I mean, it's infinite, the, the, the possibilities, um, within these transpersonal yeah. states. That's pretty amazing. And you, you have had personal experience with this outside of the, the breath work. Mm-hmm. You, you experienced a near-death experience did. through snowboarding? Yeah, so um, I was 16, it was New Year's Eve, uh, sophomore in high school. And I was snowboarding out in Pennsylvania, and it was warm during the day, and everybody just kind of kicked up mounds of snow everywhere, and we were night skiing. And I was going de- around this big turn, and uh, there was just a huge mound of snow in a blind spot. I was just flying down the hill. And, uh, you know, the way the light was shining on the snow, I couldn't really see it until I was up on it. And I saw this mound of snow, and I just said, oh shit, if I hit this, I'm gonna die. So I tried to slow down, I went tunnel vision, everything started going going slow-mo it was like my brain was calculating everything it was like I need to turn I need to stop if I hit this I'm really gonna kill myself and you know it was just interesting it was like slow-mo 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 it was like this this mound of snow was sucking me in like I tried turning um, I tried stopping and then all of a sudden I hit it and then it went fast forward and the nose of my snowboard hit my shoulder hit I heard a loud pop, immediately just like lost my air. It like mm-hmm. couldn't breathe and started screaming. I slid down the mountain for a little bit and uh, finally came to a stop. My brother and his friend were behind me. They went to go get ski patrol and I just laid on the mountain there just screaming. And you were conscious the whole time. I was conscious the whole time. Time yeah. seemed to have contracted and expand for you. But but time you, was you, normal you at that felt, point. Yeah. But at that point, you're lying there in pain. But the whole time, you're conscious. Yeah, I was completely conscious. Wow. Um, and then my brothers came. My brother came back. Told me ski patrol wasn't coming. Um, I had uh, two other people that stopped. It was really interesting. It was like two punk ass snowboarder kids, like smoking <laughs> cigarettes. You know, the ones yeah. that throw snowballs at you. Drunk you, dude. Yeah, they stopped. They put a snowboard in front of me. They made sure nobody hit me. And then I'm watching parents whiz by with their kids, and I'm like grunting like and nobody else stopped um so my brother came back they left a random ski patroller came by 
I said, are you okay? Try to take my vitals. Um, got me a toboggan, went down to the, um, the first aid station. And at that point, that's when I started to realize things were not okay. Um, <clears throat> They checked my vitals. They said, you know, your pulse is a little low. Are you usually this pale? Um, so I don't know. Well, I don't know what I look like, yeah. you know? <laughs> um, and they said, you know, your ribs are fine. We don't think you did any, like, you know, nothing's broken, nothing's bruised here. But since your vitals are pretty low, we think you did internal injury. That moment, um, I just remember going, oh shit, I'm going to die tonight. And uh, death started kind of creeping in and, and it really terrified me. Um, I never really prayed to God or I was never really a religious person growing up. Uh, but I started praying and reached out and said, God, you know, if you are real. I do not want to die tonight. I'm too young. Um, and I was terrified. Hmm. Um, luckily, the, uh, the medics and first aid responders uh, got me a helicopter instead of sending me wow. an ambulance. They said, you know, this looks pretty bad. When I left, one of the first aid responders like looked at my dad and said, he's in his golden hour. He might not make it. Wow. Um, so luckily they medevaced me out and got me to the hospital. Um, by the time I got to the hospital, that's when things really started to, I guess, become transpersonal in a sense. Yeah. So the, you had a, an actual near death experience yeah. where you crossed over, so to speak. Yeah, I don't remember that, so I guess I could explain what happened. Yeah, what did you feel or sense? And Yeah, so when I first got to the emergency room, my uncle was standing by me. He was a first responder, um, and so he said, you know, you're in good care here. Wow. I know these people, you're good. You know, they're trying to um, take off all my clothes and I'm helping them too, you know, because my snowboard boots were kind of stuck on. I'm sitting there helping them. I was in this weird blissful state, really conscious, but also wanting to help. And, um, you know, the, they're jabbing me with IVs. They, I heard one nurse say, like, I can't tap into his veins in his upper body. They're starting to collapse. Um, so I remember that. Because you had internal bleeding, what was going on. Yeah, yeah. And so I just remember them jabbing this huge needle in my femoral artery um, in my pelvic region and then um, you know I heard another nurse say I can't get a pulse on him like his pulse is really low and so at that moment like I remember my uncle standing beside me and like this is like when death really started to kind of creep in on me and I said this is my journey um, I can't take him with me even though he's family and I know him um, I need to do this myself and all of a sudden, it was like my consciousness started to expand outside my body. I was still in my body, but it was also expanding outside my body. And I kind of describe it as like an empathetic feeling. I could start to feel the anxiety in the room. I could feel the emotions of the doctors and nurses running around. So it was like I was encompassing the whole room and then bringing it into my body. And awareness was pulling... Awareness was pulling everything in. Um, and so... It was, I, it was a point in things that you could not even... You would not have been able to normally sense... I don't think I was really attuned to the, that level of like, I guess you'd say empathy of like mm -hmm. feeling the emotion. And yeah. it was like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to put it into words. So, yeah. you know, I've been chewing on this for the past 15 years. Yeah, I bet. Um, but it was like, my 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 consciousness is also in the room. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if I would say spirit because it wasn't like an outer body experience where my spirit was. It was like my consciousness was th throughout the room. It was like water or something, you know, just filling the room and I was soaking it all in as it was coming back. Um, 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting to describe. This was the past the past fifteen years you've been soaking this in and thinking about it. What what kind of perspectives or insights has it given you to? I mean, you mentioned consciousness, so that's obviously my subject here. Mm-hmm. You know, what what kind of insights or thoughts or questions do you even have about consciousness as a result of this experience? Yeah, that's a big question. Um, and have is, you ever thought about like what is consciousness? Is, yeah. that, is that something you think about all and, the and, time? And, yeah. And how does this paint your answer? Yeah. So, well, I guess I'll start to um, describe a little bit more what happened. So they they did a sonogram on me and they told me I had internal bleeding um, and that's why I was feeling sick. That's why I was feeling tired. And they needed to rush me to a CAT scan machine to figure out where this was coming from. I was in the CAT scan machine. I felt like I was submerged in a tub of ice water. I was shaking. I was falling asleep. And the doctors on the other side of the room over the loudspeaker just said, Kyle, don't fall asleep. Don't fall asleep. And at that moment, I was on the other side of the room with them. And I was in my body. So it was this dual experience of being in my body, but also having this outer body experience. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, as I started to slip away and I started becoming very sleepy, I, I started to close my eyes and drift into this blissful state. It was like this um, golden white light um, started to surround me and something just spoke to me and said, you know, relax into this. Um, You're going home. And I was like, home? I was like, whoa, what's going on? And this thing, it was kind of, it wasn't like a voice. It wasn't like, this is happening. It was kind of like this telepathic thing. I don't know if it was me. Like instant information. It was just instant information, yeah. Um, And it said, relax into us. You're going home. You're going back to the stars where we all come from. This physical life is going to cease to exist, but you're going to continue on. This physical body is going to be no more. This is just a transition. And the more you relax into it, the easier this is going to be. So I really started to relax into this feeling and it was so blissful, so beautiful. So doctors are saying, do not go away. Don't fall asleep. And And you're experiencing this other sensation of like, it's okay. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, like, yeah. Yeah. Wow. It's like, come on. Like, this is what, and at that moment, I was like, this is awesome. I'm going home. This is what I've been waiting for my entire life. And what Um, stopped it? Well, they pulled me out they did surgery and they, they saved me, you. They kept me alive. Yeah. And when that happened, you pulled back in. <clears throat> yeah. Like semi normal consciousness. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember everything up to the point where they were describing giving me anesthesia and what type of razor they wanted to use to shave my chest and stomach. Really? So I just, the last words I heard was, should we use an electric razor or a straight razor? <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I, I passed out. Um, and then I woke up as they were wheeling me to the uh, intensive care unit and I remember shooting up it was like my spirit jumped back in my body I became alive I shot up for like a brief second took a huge gasp of air and then and in that split second I just heard he's awake and he's cold and I passed out um, and woke up in the um, intensive care unit with my family around and so at that moment, I was a little shooken up. I still knew what day it was. I asked, you know, did the ball drop? Is it still New Year's Eve? What time it is? Um, but as the days progressed, something started to unfold where I had this new information. And I didn't really know how to put that into words. Um, I didn't know where it came from. There's a, a, there's a sense that I went somewhere, mm-hmm. like my spirit or soul left my body, but I just couldn't remember it. Um, and I just 
started to view the world in a whole different way. It was like I woke up and there was just like a map of how the world worked on my chest, and metaphorically speaking. Right. Um, and that confused me as a young adult. Like I was 16 years old and I didn't know what to do with that. So yeah, this has really informed me of like asking what is consciousness because in that experience of leaving my body being in my body um yeah it got me thinking a lot about like consciousness and the idea of spirit so does a spirit embody this and the spirit is conscious of everything or is are we just a conscious being connected to everything because that's how it felt like i was one with everything that was going on in that moment but also what was inside of me that felt like it went somewhere Right? Was that a was that the spirit inside this body going somewhere and leaving? Um, what do you What do you think? I and the other thing is, well, you guys at uh, psychedelics today, mm-hmm. it, you talk to people yeah. about psychedelics and journeys and all that. Yeah. And I know my wife, I told you, studies NDEs and all mm-hmm. this. And if I ever try to bring up psychedelics in the same realm, she's like, "Stop it!" Yeah. Because it like gives people almost this excuse to say, "Oh." Your experience wasn't real. It was just a chemical that got released inside your Mm -hmm. brain and so on and so forth. And so in talking to the people you talk to there um, in your own experience, what do you think it is? Well, that's an interesting question. And the reason why I got into psychedelics was because after my near-death experience, I was really on a blissful high for a bit of like, oh my God, I'm alive. I'm so thankful. Right. And then reality started to set in and I said, what is this? This feels like hell. Where I was going was home. I don't know why I'm back here. Um, And so I felt... I was in a deep existential crisis and became severely depressed and I felt pretty suicidal at times. Mm. Um, and a friend of mine had some mushrooms and he said, you know, you want to eat these? And I said, yeah, whatever. Like, you know, just trying to eat it as an escape. Right. And um, we went into the woods and I had this really profound experience of like leaving my body and re-experiencing my near-death experience. And so... In that moment, I started to recontextualize everything. It was like, I almost got the visions I was asking for. It's like, in that experience, I left my body, I went to this place, interact with these entities, and I said, holy shit, I've been here before. And he said, yes, thousands of times. Wow. And I said, oh my God, it's like, this feels like the place where I went where I almost died. Like, is is this the death bardo? Is this where I went? Yeah, more or less so. Um, and then I said, oh, well, then if this is like where I possibly went, where my consciousness or spirit went. Like I thought I talked to God after I woke up, you know? So I was like, are you God? Like, are you this thing that I talked to? And this was, it really embodied a trickster archetype. They're like, yeah, more or less so. Right. Um, I didn't get a, a clear answer on it, but after that, that experience, I said, Oh my God, there is something so parallel. Like it felt exactly like my near death experience in some way. Um, and then I started doing research, you know, uh, Rick Strassman had this hypothesis years ago that DMT is released in the brain at Mm -hmm. death. I think that's debatable at this point. Um, we don't know, but it became such a, uh, I want to say myth in a sense, like Mm -hmm. you put the hypothesis out, it's never really tested. Um, and so a lot of people believe that DMT is the the molecule that's produced when you die or when you're born and have near death experiences. 
Psilocybin, on the other hand, is almost like an orally active dose of DMT. Um, so it has this extra group of, it has a DMT um, compound with an extra group of phosphates. It allows it to pass through the liver and enter through the blood-brain barrier because normally DMT is broken down by monoamine oxidase inhibitors. And um, so right. it was interesting that um, like... I had this near-death experience and I had this psychedelic experience and they felt so on par and that's what really got me interested where I said how could I have a substance that just reminded me so much of dying that, that felt so real like that that experience of the psychedelic felt more real than real you wow know? it felt like I was like my spirit left my body like it did during that near-death experience and went to a similar place like because I blacked out during this experience I, I was hiking I sat down on a trail and my vision went black I left my body and I don't remember anything I don't know if it was just a few minutes or what but I went through this whole big thing and then woke up my friend was like you gotta breathe <laughs> you know right um it felt like eternity when i was gone internally could have just been a few minutes mm -hmm. but um wow that's what got me so curious about the whole and once i started getting into rick strassman's work and hearing about this stuff it's like what is going on here is dmt this thing that is released when we die and we have these huge conscious experiences um it felt really similar during that psilocybin experience yeah. that i had um you know it leaves me with more questions and answers uh i really yeah, I sit here and think about it and right. part of me thinks that psychedelic experience was my psyche trying to just recontextualize the trauma mm -hmm. that I experienced and it needed to kind of work through it to help it process because that experience changed my life like I decided I wanted to go back to school I wanted to study consciousness I wanted to study psychology right. um, before that I, I really didn't have any motivation to do too Not much direction yeah it really has been your path ever since. Yeah, yeah. I decided to enroll in a transpersonal psychology undergrad program where I got to study this stuff, um, study breath work, and then, yeah, I'm finishing up my counseling degree. Wow. And, yeah, uh, understanding these extraordinary experiences and how we can make meaning out of it and what are we doing with these really powerful experiences? How are we integrating them back in our lives? You know, because I could sit there and just sulk on this experience of what was that well and not do anything with right. it but how do you bring that back down into the body and actually serve your community and show up in the world with and help other people and help other people yeah well that's fantastic so yeah i don't know it leaves me with more questions and answers of yeah. what consciousness is and and this and that like um i i guess on the spiritual belief like if we, if, yeah, we get into that, like, I guess part of my belief is that, you know, we are spirits and we live in a body. This is what, our body is what makes us special. Mm -hmm. You know, like, thinking about that near-death experience and that psychedelic experience, it was like having a spiritual experience was easy. It was going home. You know, it was blissful. Right. It was beautiful. It was familiar. It reminded me of, like, I know what this is. Coming back to a body, being like, this is the trip. Like, this is interesting. We're embodied in this thing and we can do things, right? right? Like we have actions, we have consequences, we can create things. I mean, if you're just a floating spirit that's not attached to anything, I mean, how do you create? 
right? Right. Um, so actually having these experiences has made me realize how important the body experience is and how mm. important it is to show up here. Right. Um, this is a unique opportunity if we are spiritual beings to actually come down here and be encapsulated in here to show up and do work and learn. Right. Um, it's almost like a, a training ground to understand what it means to be alive in a sense. Right. So. Yeah, so it sounds to me like it's, it's almost you think that uh, the, the body and the physical existence are at some level a manifestation of a higher consciousness. Yeah. I think and so, so. so for you, there's no question of mind-body duality. You know what I mean? When the mind shuts off, does or the body shuts off, does the mind also shut off? That mm-hmm. to you, you've kind of experienced that answer already. Yeah. And so you're you're more exploring the how and what of that form yeah. of consciousness in that our body is uh, something we have for a very brief moment yeah, and we're able to experience a unique thing and here we are to, to do this. To do this, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and I think like the real magic is here now. Um, and you know, I think when we get too caught up in the body, which you know, most of us are, we're in our heads, we're thinking, we're really embodied, um, it's sometimes hard to get in touch with the consciousness or spirit of who we are. And yeah. suffering is real. When we're in a body, we suffer and when we suffer, we wanna kind of forget about having a body, um, but what is it like to come back to the body and really embrace this experience that yeah. we're having here. I mean, it's very unique. Um, yeah, it's pretty incredible. It, I mean, when you really think about it, like to show up here and to be here and to experience everything, I mean, what else do you really know about who you are as a right. person? I mean, this is this is it. Yeah. Wow. It's that's pretty, re- pretty remarkable. Yeah. To, yeah, it really is. It really is. So, Anything else you want to share? I don't want to hear for a couple minutes. Or anything else you want to share or, or talk about? Um, I don't know. Do you have any other questions? I, I could. No, that, I knew we only had a few minutes, so I didn't want to. I didn't want to abuse your generosity here no with worries. the time. But this um, is fun for me. <laughs> um, non-ordinary or altered states of consciousness. You know what? What are those? And. and how, how with your practice mm-hmm. how are you I know with the minute with the breath work you were helping people achieve those do you have mm-hmm. anything else you want to share about altered states of consciousness or getting into those or how those might affect one's consciousness and, and eventually the happiness I guess yeah um, you know it was interesting we asked our breath work teacher a while ago like how would you teach breath work or like how would you pitch it to somebody um, and he led with the question well are you curious are you curious about your relationship with the universe if no then go watch a movie go be part of somebody else's story <laughs> if you're curious then here's a technique and here's a tool to help you develop a relationship with what's going on around you and to become a little bit more curious about your experience here. What if they're not curious and they still go through the breath work? Do they still get to that point or do they have to have the right mindset? No, people come in pretty... I was very skeptical, but I also think I was very open having experiences prior. But yeah, no, I've been at retreats where... You know, people are are suffering either depression, they're looking for an experience of some sort. I mean, if you're totally not curious, you're not showing up to a workshop, you know. Yeah, Um, I just wondered if there's ever a situation where somebody may come with a significant other or a group or whatever it is and find themselves in a situation. Well, last night, actually. I was just curious if that mattered. Yeah, last night, um, you know, we had a couple here and they said, uh, yeah, I'm just tagging along. This is his thing. I really don't know anything about it. And she had a really blissful, calming experience 
experience and she said it was really great. Wow. Um, so, you know, people can come in skeptical and have, you know, and breath work, it can be really transpersonal and really opening, but sometimes it's just really calming. It's like, wow, like I just breathed and I felt really relaxed mm -hmm. and calm and I felt my body for the first time. Wow. Um, so it's a really somatic approach to just kind of like get in touch with yourself. Yeah. Um, People will meditate for years to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's pretty remarkable. You have these tools to just kind of amplify it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but I think like why I got interested in a lot of this stuff to kind of come back, why would anybody be interested in this or like, you know, I think it, it helps to, um, develop meaning and purpose in a sense, mm. like to just become a little bit curious about what you're doing here. Um, I feel like a lot of us can just kind of be on autopilot and just kind of go through the motions and never really kind of, um, I guess, develop a relationship with what's going on here or a relationship with your body or a relationship with how you interact with everything and what you're doing here. And, you know, some of these tools and techniques just help you to develop a relationship with the inner experience. Um, and what unfolds after that? I mean, who knows? Like, I never thought I'd be in this field or studying this no. stuff. No, like I was, I mean, before I had that psychedelic experience, I was working at a deli. I was lifeguarding. I wasn't going to college. Like, mm -hmm. I just did, really didn't have like a path or anything, yeah. you know? And it wasn't until like I started to become more curious about who I was as a person, my own internal processes, like, there seems like something I should be doing. Yeah, yeah, and it grabbed you. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I kind of want to start doing something that seems a little bit more meaningful in life. Yeah. Um, and so... Well, it sounds like you are. I, th I think so. It feels well, like fantastic. it sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And so you're going back for your advanced degree, and after that, going to uh, expand the practice and continue to focus on that? Yeah, I don't know. It's it's really up for... I don't know what the future is going to yeah. bring. I'm trying to just show right. up and finish school. I mean, Good. I'm getting pulled in so many different directions. So, yeah, we do. I, I do have a platform called Psychedelics Today where we do mm -hmm. psychedelic education, harm reduction. We have a podcast. Um, you know, and that can go in many different areas. Mm -hmm. There's another part of me that really wants to focus on, like, clinical work and and uh, incorporate breath work into a clinical practice to help people. Um, I just wrote a, a capstone paper on trauma resolution and breath work. So how could I use breath work as modality to help people that are suffering from trauma and anxiety? Um, Which seems to be a real theme here at the uh, the Arizona Psychedelics Conference. Mm -hmm. Is you hear even ketamine, which ketamine, yeah. you know, has different connotations from tranquilizers to street and I know from personal experience in my wife's work that it's great for people with suicidal ideation. Yeah. But you also hear people talking about it in just pure psychotherapy. Mm-hmm. You know, ketamine-assisted. So you hear psychedelic-assisted therapies. Yeah. So using breath work just to help somebody get to where they need to get to emotionally to be able to work out work. their problems, yeah. find their problems, find the root of it seems to be a big theme here. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, modern psychiatry and psychology is just about like symptom reduction. How mm -hmm. do we reduce the, the symptom sometimes without getting to those root causes? Um, and, you know, we have tools. I, I don't know. I feel skeptical saying a root cause <laughs> because, you know, sometimes when I feel like I got to the root cause of my suffering or depression or anxiety, I find something else. It's a whole new thing. It's a whole new thing. So I feel skeptical saying root causes and cures. Um, I think we're constantly redeveloping a narrative and I think it comes back to that relationship. So, um, okay, I had this really transformative experience. It helped me kind of tap into my inner, inner world. 
how is that then um, shaping my relationship with my anxiety or my thoughts or my negative self thinking? Yeah. Oh, now I can understand that I think this way. So how could I then change that thinking pattern now that I had an experience that brought it into awareness? Um, so, you know, I think that's like the potential of a lot of these tools, especially in this community. Sometimes people go off that this is these are miracle cures and you know, I think we have to be a little bit careful with that. Um, you know, sure, I've had really profound experiences and healing, but then reality sets back in and mm -hmm. I become a human again and I have to start dealing with things all over again. Yeah, and it was a definite process. It gives potentially some insight, yeah, some understanding, new perspectives, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But then there's that thing they're talking about, which is integration. Yeah, integration. Following that to get that in there. Mm -hmm. So, which has been a huge part of our work at Psychedelics Today and even in my life's work. Like, how did I, how am I integrating my near death experience? How am I integrating all these experiences with non ordinary states? How am I showing up to the world? Um, so, that's been a huge yeah. part of my process. It sounds like for 15 years you've been integrating that pretty amazing experience. Yeah, and it's interesting, like, you know, when we think about trauma and integration, it's like, oh, I could just do this pretty quick. Um, I was out in Breckenridge visiting Joe and I went snowboarding and it was actually around my 15 year anniversary. Mm -hmm. uh, I went snowboarding like January 3rd and my right. accident happened on December 31st. Um, and I took a spill and I slid probably like 800 or 1,000 feet down wow. this mountain uh, on my back and flying right. around. And luckily I was fine. But um, during the night afterwards, I realized like I started having flashbacks from my near death experience. And this is something I've been working on for 15 years. Mm -hmm. um, but realizing that that stuff continues to live in the body yeah. and how is it like still informing my reality and, and how I'm showing up in the world. Um, so, you know, we're always like almost like renegotiating and um, yeah, reforming our narrative with, yeah. with these things that have happened with us in our life. Um, and I, yeah. Yeah. And it sounds like I, I do appreciate here at the conference that there is that focus on healing. Mm -hmm. You know, this isn't, it's funny because I, I mentioned that I was coming to cover this and one of my friends is like, bring back samples. <laughs> You know, and I'm just like, that's not what this is about. Yeah. And it's good to see kind of the, the ethic and the the attitude here mm -hmm. is all about how do we help people get to that point. And right. every, everything from breath work to the psychedelics, everything here seems to be very focused on on uh, helping people heal. Yeah. And, um, you know, I guess the more I, I get into this work and working with non-ordinary states, I mean, you know, some they're like, oh, you know, keep going in or it's a substance and, you know, we really need to do that. Part of my work with like integration and, and doing this is like, how can you have an experience that makes you not want to use a substance again or like not wanting to go back and continue to keep having these experiences repetitively. So how could you have a really profound experience and sit with that over a few months and bring that into your world right now? So every moment is that experience in a sense. So you don't, um, you don't mean forever, you mean just in the short term. Like I had this experience, now I'm going to spend time integrating it, working with it. Yeah. As opposed to, I got to have another beer. Right. That kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, and you know, granted there are times when people are working through really deep psychological issues. 
multiple sessions help, mm -hmm. you know, multiple breathwork sessions or, you know, um, in the MDMA session, you know, they'll probably be able to do three sessions with people and that's helpful. Right. Um, but I think like the real work is how do you have, how do you foster the container for these experiences, but then how do you carry it forward without needing to constantly do the work? Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, there's always going to be things that life brings up and we need to go back in. So it's to not say you'll never, ever do it again, but how can you use these experiences to develop a relationship with your, with the reality and the universe that you're in, um, and just show up without needing to try to fix things all the time. Like there's yeah. something broken inside of me, so I need to constantly do this. Right. Uh, instead of being, having these transformative experiences and be like, Maybe I'm not broken. Maybe I can like reframe my narrative and just show up and enjoy it. Um, so yeah, sometimes with my goal with like integration is how do you not use? <laughs> how do you not go, not go back? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. granted, you know, there are times when you need to reprocess. Life beats us down. We need to have these tools available. But you know, there it's not things like abusing a substance where yeah. you're like, I need to do this all the time because and the pharmaceutical industry wouldn't be interested in that anyway. Probably not. A one and done. You know, we don't want that. <laughs> well, I don't know. It's been interesting. Like the FDA has been really supportive um, with MDMA. They just, um, granted MDMA as a breakthrough therapy. They mm -hmm. just granted psilocybin, the main ingredient in mushrooms as a breakthrough therapy. Um, pharmaceutical, well, look at MAPS. MAPS is a non-profit pharmaceutical company, um, which is interesting. I, I, I don't know that I would have looked at it that way. but uh, That's how Rick, that's, that's, that's how Rick explains that's how he sees it. it. Yeah, he says we're a non-profit pharmaceutical company. Um, so they're going to have, I guess, not a patent, but I forget what the word that they call, but um, they'll be able to um, yeah, I'll just use patent because I can't think of the other word. Patent on MDMA psychotherapy for six years or something like that. And so they'll, they'll be the ones training therapists distributing the MDMA. And then I don't know what will happen after that. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's interesting because I, I look to, to understand the mind and the body, mm -hmm. you know, how they're tied together. Are they separate things? And we're talking about some very non-body experiences, mm -hmm. some very big mm -hmm. concepts, universe, uh, universal consciousness, interconnectedness, and we're, we're helping to get, get to that through chemicals or processes that induce chemicals. Mm -hmm. You know, so there is like this, this uh, input, this chemical input, either through the, the breathing or a substance mm -hmm. or whatever it is that is altering the, the chemical uh, processes of the brain. Mm-hmm that then affect this consciousness. Yeah. And so maybe it's kind of like what you were saying, if consciousness is a, a more of a universal thing that comes down, manifests in a body, experiences it within this body, there still is a physical body to mess with. Mm -hmm. It could run into a snowbank. Right. You know, there's all kinds of things that can happen in this body. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, and then I guess, I don't know, you add some of the physiological uh, components on how that alters our consciousness and the way that we perceive, you know. Um, Stan Groff always used, like, uh, so Stan Groff developed. I like that he's Stan Groff to you. Yeah, Stan Groff. Yeah. Dr. Stanislav Groff. Um, you know, he, the way he describes some of the consciousness experiences, like, you know, you don't look into a television for consciousness. 
you know, like you see the picture, you don't tear apart the, the TV or the radio to look for consciousness. It's coming from somewhere and the body is a receiver. Um, but you know, if you tinker with the mechanics of a, a radio or a television, like it might alter the receiving end and then how it's outputting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of think about that as well. Like, how do you like messing with the physiology of the body breathing and changing the different chemicals and like how that is influencing your experience here um so yeah i don't know it's yeah it's fascinating and endless like yeah okay maybe we are spirit in the body but then how could the body this mechanism um changing different chemicals in the body produce alterations in what you're experiencing yeah because you're changing the dial on the tv yeah and so it's really you're just you're just changing your experience of it yeah that it's still there yeah yeah that is tough that's why david chalmers obviously calls it the hard problem of consciousness because it is a difficult thing to understand yeah um but the mind body spirit connection i think is huge you know like it all influences everything um it's all one in a sense yeah like and that's your literal experience yeah yeah i think yeah. so um you know you could have a body experience that produce like with breath work for example um you know our breathing our emotions like the physiological like what's going on physiologically in the body is affecting our emotions so there you have the, the mind body connection but then if you start changing the physiology breathing or inducing a substance then you have the spiritual component but how does that live in the body i mean it's all connected in a sense i think um yeah does seem to be connected the binding problem how is the mind bound to the body and when you're changing these things your experience of mind you know is changing yeah and even if you damage the brain it's because you can't really just take an fmri a snapshot of the brain and go oh there's consciousness right and you can't really understand it but then when you do damage the brain there is a change in consciousness and in fact in one of the earlier sessions today one of i forget who it was was mentioning that you're changing who you are yeah that suddenly that changes, mm-hmm. you know, so it's... But yeah. then I wonder, too, like, what is that person actually experiencing, right? I mean, right. from it's the all outside... Self, it's all self-reported. Yeah, from the outside, we can maybe see, and then what they can express, which might have limitations if there's mm-hmm. some sort of brain damage, but we don't know what they're experiencing. We have to ask them. Yeah. The same thing with, with NDEs. So what did you do? What happened? We can't really sit back and say oh there goes his soul you right know what i mean yeah. or there goes his consciousness or i can feel his consciousness all yeah. of a sudden you know it's really more of okay oh you're back tell, tell us what happened yeah and so it is a very much uh, self-reported situation it's tricky like and maybe we just don't have the technology to be able to track these type of things and maybe in the future we can develop technology that can s- I don't know, just how we can track radio waves or something like that. I pick up. And I think you're right. We might be able. I know that uh, um, Dr. Tononi and Christoph Koch are working on um, a device to measure consciousness, mm. and they've had success already. Yeah. In doing so, I, I interviewed uh, Dr. Koch on this, and he. Uh, it was interesting because he did mention that I think they were able to measure it in. Maybe, maybe it was mice. I don't want to get that wrong. Mm. But eventually they'll be able to measure consciousness and not not the medical consciousness right. are you awake or not mm-hmm. but actual consciousness and then i asked him does that mean we'll be able to measure it in a stone mm. you know and he's like yeah i think so 
you know, and so it becomes very impactful. Yeah. To think that there is that that element there. You, yeah. you talk about something like a Bernardo Castro, who, who believes that consciousness creates everything mm -hmm. physical. Right. You know, and so you get to that level, and then you really start to wonder about the, the power of of consciousness in our, our everyday lives and our, our physical bodies. And like you were saying, how you can, your own physical body then turns around and affects that. Yeah. You know, that is interesting. Yeah. And like, it's interesting in breath work too, where like we start doing body work and um, people can have really profound experiences by just working with the body. Um, and what kind of, when you say body work, what do you mean? Um, so like at an end of a session, if somebody feels really tense or they feel like, you know, there's emotion stuck, we just ask them to push against us. So we're just applying a little bit of resistance. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that can open up different really? uh, experiences. Like people could feel like, oh, nothing happened during the session then we you know we're like well is there anything tense in your body are you feeling anything like yeah well my shoulder's hurting but it's nothing don't worry about it. i'm like well what happens if we experiment with it and then you know um last night this happened they're like yeah my shoulder but i don't know i was like well you want to try it and then they started doing it and we started doing some body work so i just applied a little bit of resistance for them to push against me and they said oh, i just felt like i was running through a meadow you know i had all this vision of, of being in a meadow um and as you're applying the pressure yeah as they are working through it and you know this came up to so i'm have an emphasis in somatic psychology mm -hmm. um and the reason why i got into this was because i went to a physical therapist one time and she was doing some myofascial release and doing some body work because i have all this scar tissue on my stomach and abdomen and uh as she was doing it i remember vividly having flashbacks of um the uh the emergency crew rolling me down the hallway wow. at the hospital. And I started having all these visions of uh, the surgery and stuff like that. And coming from this breathwork background and working with non-ordinary states, of course, like I know like this is a thing, this can happen. So I was just sticking with it and I was breathing through it. But I asked, I was like, is it, is it normal for people to relive experiences when you're doing body work on them? And she's like, yeah, kind of like, really, you know, I, I've seen it. I was like, well, how do you hold space for that? And they're like, I don't know. We just, kind of, you know, just let it unfold. And I, I'm thinking if you can work with the body and like release emotion that way, but create a therapeutic container, this could be so healing for yeah. people. That's what got me really interested in, yeah, the somatic stuff. Yeah. But our bodies hold so much emotion, so much memory. And there's a lot of cool neuroscience and somatic research that's really starting to, to suggest that. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So, in a sense, working with the body is a way inside of our uh, of our inner experience. Right. Yeah. Well, it, it makes sense. I mean, neurologically, it makes sense, and physiologically, so much is going on. Yeah. For that to be a, a part of it, it almost would seem naive to assume that it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know. Interesting. Yeah, endlessly fast. So I've been thinking about like um, Stan Groff talks about the cartography of the human psyche. Yeah what is the psyche so you have the bio uh, biographical what happened in your childhood growing up you have the transpersonal so how past life is affecting you and all these transpersonal experiences are affecting you and then perinatal so how has your birth process is still affecting you and still living um, inside of you 
and has been shaping your life. But then I thought, like, it's funny that he really talks about body work, but didn't add the somatic layer to it. Yeah. Because you can have experiences through the body, right? right? So that is part of the psyche. The psyche lives in the body. Um, and so, you know, I, I, now I'm thinking about it instead of these three levels of the human cartography, what is it? Four levels, you know, biographical, perinatal, transpersonal, and the somatic. Um, hmm. Yeah, that is interesting. I'm surprised he didn't have that piece in there. I, I you know, he briefly talks Given about his it. experiences and what he's studied. Yeah, you know, he kind of touches on it with body work, but working with the body is a way inside of the psyche. Um, and getting in tune with the body as a way in the psyche, you know, in some uh, like new somatic research and techniques, they really inform you to stay in touch with the sensations in your body mm -hmm. and start to like develop a relationship, befriend these sensations, especially with trauma. Like people just want to shut down and, and not feel it. What is it like to actually feel what's going on inside your body and how that can open you up to a new conscious experience or yeah, and identify different things that are going on in there. Yeah. Because there are these physiological reflexes that, you know, if you have been traumatized, you're feeling these sensations. Maybe it's, you know, the flight or fight system is online right. and you're, you need to get out. And so when you immediately do that, like you feel that stuff in your body, you're just trying to get out. Yeah. What is it like to actually sit with that feeling in your body? And then people, you know, could start reliving different things or. Yeah, you know, that could a, be immensely therapeutic. Yeah. So it's a different way of accessing the psyche yeah. as well. Interesting. I had never thought thought about that part there's a lot more to that yeah yeah well good we got anything else that, that's been uh no it's been quite fun. a bit but yeah thanks for good. this opportunity yeah, thank you but, Kyle. I yeah, appreciate that if anybody wants to like check out my work at psychedelicstoday.com 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 I also have another website I might kind of bring it more back in line once I'm done with grad school that's settingsunwellness.com settingsunwellness.com yeah. okay that's like my personal one. Yeah. But yeah. I can include both. Yeah, sure. All right, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> Anything else you want to get out there? No, I, you know, I guess I just encourage people listening to, you know, what is it like to be a little bit more curious? Yeah, be curious. You know, be curious. You never know what you'll find. Yeah. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, thank you, Kyle. I appreciate yeah, it. Thank you appreciate for the time. It. That was awesome. That was and now for the second segment with Veronica Gold, co-founder, therapist, and consultant at Polaris Insight Center in San Francisco, which provides ketamine-assisted psychotherapy. You do things differently, so do you want to <laughs> tell us a little bit about how, how you guys use ketamine, how maybe you do it a little bit differently, and, and kind of what your philosophy is on your approach to this this treatment? Yeah, um, so we provide ketamine-assisted psychotherapy mm -hmm. and there's a difference between the ketamine treatment where it solely relies on the benefit of the drug. And so in our treatment, we use the, this benefit of the drug, of the medicine, as well as the therapy. So there is a big component of the, of the therapy, our, our approach is informed by relational therapy, attachment theory, developmental trauma theory, and transpersonal theory and transpersonal psychotherapy. Um, we were all founding members in, in our clinic have been trained by MAPS. Mm -hmm. uh, so the MAPS model comes uh, from Stan Groff's model from right. the 1980s LSD psychotherapy. And so we're bringing these principles into the ketamine treatment. And 
to say more is that we believe the ketamine is like one piece of the puzzle, but then kind of the, the, the circumstances in which the ketamine is administered, the preparation for the session, and then working with the non-ordinary state of consciousness that's elicited by the ketamine, um, and then integrating and processing what comes up is all part of the, the, the whole treatment. Right, and, and it sounds very much, and, I, and Eric mentioned it a couple times, he said psychedelic assisted therapy and so he didn't say purely ketamine and so if it sounded like it like you mentioned you know Stan Graf and, and Graf and the whole approach to this which is not just have the infusion but it, it's the setting an intention and doing the therapy and, and having some integration and some continuing work and you mentioned in your clinic I guess people even do some home treatments yeah, yeah, and so we, you know, we believe that if you only use the ketamine as an infusion, which I have experience with because I started working in a ketamine infusion clinic and I was developing ketamine-assisted psychotherapy program there, um, I run into the limitations of the medical setting right. and not being able to really maximize the full benefit or potential benefit of ketamine. And... So this piece of the psychotherapy in the safe set and setting seems crucial for the healing. And so as, as, as you're saying, as you know, mentioning the home treatment, so we're as well trying to make the treatment as affordable as possible for the patients. So people who cannot afford to do all the sessions in the office, uh, they might be able to do part of the sessions as at home treatment. And so we work with lozenges, so uh, it's a sublingual um, or buccal absorption right. of the ketamine, um, and we work with intramuscular injections. So the intramuscular injections are always done at mm -hmm. the office, but the lozenges can be used as well at home. So if someone comes to us who is suffering with depression, we start with initial assessment, then medical intake where they have a medical exam, go over their medical history and make sure they're a good candidate for the treatment. And then they will be prescribed the ketamine. So the, the, the client themselves picks it up in a compounding pharmacy and brings that into the session. And as they're using the medicine, we add the psychotherapy um, with that so the sessions are about three hours long and we do at least two of these sessions in office and we see how the person responds what kind of things coming up how well they do after the ketamine sessions and so if they seem like a good candidate then they can continue doing the sessions in their home environment mm -hmm. uh, under our supervision which means that they check in with us they let us know when they're going to do the session we help them prepare you know make sure they have two to three hours of space without being interrupted by their kids or partners. Right. They set up a music, put on eye shades, take the medicine, and go through the journey. In the end of the journey, they oftentimes uh, record or take notes of mm -hmm. what came up and let us know the next day where we provide support around what came up. Um, we as well ask all of our patients to have an outside therapist, so they besides our support are having a support of their individual therapist um, which we whom we are is in co communication during the treatment okay um, 
Now you mentioned the non-ordinary state of consciousness. And one thing I saw on your website is, you know, your journey from the Czech Republic, mm-hmm. if that's okay to talk about. Yeah. And coming here and then you started to explore consciousness. Is that is that right? Uh, so I, you know, I come from the Czech Republic. I grew right. up in the communist time, right. and so I was 15 when the revolution happened and the, wow. the Russian occupation. Mm-hmm. You know, the Russian army left, and uh, there was a lot of openness and. A lot of people who left Czech Republic were coming back and and kind of offering what they've learned over the years back. And so uh, there was a transpersonal conference um, and Stan Groff, the founder of transpersonal psychology Mm -hmm. and the person who developed holotropic breathwork um, as a way of accessing non-ordinary states of consciousness after psychedelics were rescheduled, did a training for a whole group of Czech psychotherapists. And I was 16 at that time and by some way I got into a room where it was this transpersonal conference and wow. connected with Stan Groff and with uh, the facilitators he worked with and that became a great interest and a venue of my personal healing, of my personal and, and there's a generational trauma of growing up in right. communism. And so I was involved in holotropic breathwork as the main way of working with non-ordinary states of consciousness for many years. Mm-hmm. And as well followed Stan, um, you know, not personally, but I knew he, he lived in California, taught at right. CIIS, and so that's why I moved to San Francisco and, and then went to CIIS. CIS, where, where I studied integral counseling. Right. Wow. And so I felt it was kind of with me the whole time. And, you know, to kind of add to the story, just the, the year when I moved to the U.S., I went to a holotropic breathwork training and I met there Annie and Michael Midhofers, who are the original um, researchers and kind of who put together the, the treatment protocol from the MDMA assisted psychotherapy. So I met them there when they were just starting the phase one study. Right. And it was kind of like, wow, they're, you know, it's happening. They're doing these MDMA right. trials and then, you know, being in working on the trials 16 years later. Yeah. It's been a beautiful journey, but it, it was, you know, I became a drama therapist and work with holotropic breath work and always was wondering like how it will be possible to connect these two worlds. Will I be able to provide trauma therapy and work with an ordinary states of consciousness? And to be completely honest, until a few years ago, I didn't believe it was going to be possible. Really? And, you know, even though I was watching the, the work of MAPS, it still seemed like so far away. Right. Where it's going to take a really long time. And, um, and so it's been, you know, incredible the last few years. To see it really come about. To come about and being able to bring those together. And it seems like more and more of these therapies are going to be coming available. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now you guys have ketamine, but it looks like MDMA and maybe even psilocybin are going to be starting to potentially hit legality like what you're dealing with. 
Yeah, absolutely. are you guys gonna are you guys gonna expand into those eventually once they come around? Yeah, so our our hope is to expand into having expanded access clinic for MDMA. Mm -hmm. As um, right now, we're waiting for uh, there is a protocol that has been submitted to FDA to for expanded access or compassionate use, um, which means that MDMA assisted psychotherapy would be available for fee before it becomes rescheduled and so we are, as our ketamine clinic, are hoping to add uh, be a site for expanded access and nice. in the future right, if psilocybin right. becomes legal, it, it would be, Could be. ideal to mm -hmm. be able to have this variety of medicines to use with people who struggle with different issues or maybe at different times of their healing and development. Right. Right. Wonderful. Um, so this podcast is technically about consciousness and the, the phenomenal experiences and, and how they're potentially tied to the brain. Does the brain create consciousness? Does consciousness create the brain? Is it all one thing or are they two separate things? Those are the kind of conversations that I have. Um, I mean, as I describe this to you, do you have any, any thoughts on that or should I ask you some questions? You know, I think it's a, <laughs> those are great questions, and I'm not sure they're clear answers, and I definitely have a lot of there are, There are no that. answers. There are no answers. <laughs> I just like asking smart people like you what you think. Mm -hmm. um, and this may be an unfair question because you didn't have it in advance, but I went on your website, you mentioned, I think it's for a workshop you did, you had the term fundamental consciousness. Mm -hmm. Is that something, what, what is that? Can you tell me what that is? Yeah, so what you mean by you know, that? And I think there can be a lot of different names and terms how people will uh, describe that. And so this is from one of my teachers, Judith mm -hmm. Blackstone, uh, who teaches a method that she developed uh, called the realization process. And so she talks about a fundamental consciousness, which is like the ground of being. So it could be like the, the, the void or the ultimate um, the God, the love, the, right. the space that pervades you and me and everything else in the room. That's the fundamental consciousness. That is Some people might say it's God ground. or the source or whatever, but that's what you view as like the fundamental consciousness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you're dealing, you know, what your work does, you, you put people into um, a non-ordinary state of consciousness. Is that different than an altered state of consciousness, or are those, are those synonyms? So I, you know, prefer not to use the name altered because that is saying that there is something what's normal, and then there is something what's altered or changed, mm. and so we don't actually know what is the the the. Like, what are we altering? Are we now in the altered state of consciousness? Right. So it's, it is just something what for most people is considered ordinary. So I prefer the term non-ordinary state of consciousness. Non-ordinary. But I think that uh, a lot of people would use that interchangeably. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what is, uh, when you think about consciousness in a non-ordinary state of consciousness, what is the distinction? And why is it important to what you guys do? Mm -hmm. So, 
you know, and I think in ketamine, there is a great way of how we have the possibility to experience consciousness in a different way. That in ordinary state, we identify the consciousness it has a location in the body, in us, most of the time. And in, with the help of this medicine, we kind of can move out of the body and feel connected to something greater than us, something bigger, something outside of us, but we are still conscious. So it brings up the question, like what the consciousness is? Where is it located? Is it, um, do we all share the same consciousness in that state? And what do you think? I, <laughs> what do I think? I mean, um, given all your studies yeah. and the people that you've worked with, I mean, just any of the little insight that you have from your experience, all your experiences together, what do you, what do you think about that? I mean, is there a greater consciousness? Is there, you know, is consciousness created by the brain or is it something that manifests in a body? I mean, what, what do you think? What's your own opinion on what, what yeah, this stuff is? I love that question and it's something what I think about a lot and explore a lot and ask a lot of questions. And there are more questions than answers. And right. there are, you know, I think there's experience and that we can experience ourselves as consciousness outside of our body. We can experience ourselves as consciousness experiencing itself. Mm -hmm. And there are times when people return from these non-ordinary states of consciousness appreciating their body and their being alive and talk about kind of having a deeper understanding and deeper appreciation of life and being in the body and the, the preciousness of being human and relating to each other and experiencing whatever it is that there you know sometimes people come back with maybe something what's dark and difficult is as valuable as something what's light and easy and sharing you know so 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 that the experience of the consciousness and coming back to the body is maybe about experiencing itself experiencing this life more fully yeah, it's interesting. It's uh, and I heard that from Kyle at Psychedelics Today, who had a, a near-death experience, and mentioned that he experienced the same kind of thing. That the body is is kind of a manifestation of a greater consciousness, and that this time we get to have in these physical bodies is precious. And I find that I find that interesting mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because it's almost opposite of what your ordinary human beings they go to church to think. That they think that you know this is us and when we die we go to heaven and that's almost something to work your whole life so you can go to heaven as opposed to the fact that I think was kind of what you're saying is that we have this moment now in this physical body that may come from a greater consciousness mm -hmm. is that yeah yeah and in your in your work with people do you do you see them going through these things do you, do you see them ever have an out-of-body experience or a near-death experience or something that they um, and I think you mentioned like ego dissolution. Do you see them um, experience those kind of things and relate some of those experiences to you? And and what does what does that make you think? What kind of insight does that give you? Uh, absolutely. And so I um, 
you heard me talk uh, during the talk, not in our talk here, but as well our way of working is really to start slowly, to titrating the experience, giving the dose of ketamine that the person can assimilate and integrate in their life. So we take time before some, you know, and not everyone will have a high dose or moderate or high dose experience. So saying that as well, some people might have that kind of experience on a lower dose. So we can, right. you know, predict that this person's 100% not going to have that, but there is some correlation that with the higher doses, people might have more of those experiences, like near to death, a sim simulation of near to death experience or the ego dissolution, transcendental experience. And it seems that for people, those one, even one time experience can be life changing. That there, you know, we have reports of patients just going into this awe and bliss and new understanding of how they've been looking at themselves and their life. Um, oftentimes there is a shift in their relationship to death, to fear of dying, fear of illness, um, engagement in life and being, you know, f more fully present in what they're doing, um, changing their worldviews, caring more about each other, about animals, about the planet, that as well there is this consciousness that seems like maybe we're all sharing. So there is that, that people sometimes report this experience of oneness and that like each of us, that like you're part of me or the, the same right. as the planned and that brings more connection and open-heartedness and, and care. Yeah, yeah, and I could see that being tremendously important for the type of therapeutic work you're doing. Mm -hmm. To develop that that understanding, that interconnectedness, the the empathy, and then being able to is a part of being able to see your own experiences and to see your own inner self. Is that part of what you're kind of opening up for people? Right. right. Is that okay? Um, actually, that's those are the questions I had about consciousness. Do you have anything else you wanted to, to throw out out there? How's the show going? I, this is, I guess, is the first one. I mean, at least for Arizona to have, and for yeah, maybe, maybe in California, you guys have them all the time. But you know, for us out here to have a psychedelic conference is pretty interesting. Yeah, it's very exciting and and so great to have it in this this college and bringing it to the natural naturopathy mm -hmm. and seeing the interest of people coming together and sharing their knowledge I know, I'm just amazed. And all the amazing speakers, yeah. you know, for you guys to come out here and do this and just so many different topics and the rooms just filled, big rooms filled with people that are all interested in this. I think it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Very exciting. It is, it is. It is. Well, Veronica, thank you so much for taking a few minutes here to talk to me about this stuff. Yes, and I'm really grateful you. for everything you guys do. Thank you, you know, very everything, much. Yeah, appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, remarkable and very important. Thank so, you for yeah. what you're doing and spreading the word. And yeah, well, thank you. Yeah. yeah, I'll try to get that out there. That concludes another edition of the Consciousness Podcast. Thanks again for listening. Please find us at Facebook at facebook.com slash theconsciousnesspodcast at our Twitter handle, at ConchCast. And don't forget to subscribe to our feed at theconsciousnesspodcast.com. 
Thank you for listening.